This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, commencing to read from verse 1, please. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. The call to follow Jesus, to become fishermen and fisherwomen, to catch men and women for Christ, has surely been the very foundation stone on which the church was established. For growth, for the church to grow, it was the presentation of the gospel that reached men and women, that touched their hearts, that transformed them, that changed them. And yet, today, I feel that as that was the prominence in the early days, many churches have drifted away from it. There are exceptions. But for many within the Christian community, they have gone down a road of trying many things at the cost of presenting the gospel to try and get men and women over the threshold. I am well aware there are many good avenues that have been used today to present the gospel. But gone are the gospel crusades Gone are the Sunday night gospel services in presenting the gospel. And as I thought of that, I was directed to Romans 10 and 14. And there are the words of the Apostle Paul. And when he wrote, Then how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? If ever the day of a preacher was needed, it's today. 
when we see what's happening in the world round about us. Pastor has made reference to it. We're not in the last days. We're in the last of the last days. We see what's happening all over the world. The world and man is gripped in fear and dread, wondering what will happen within, not weeks or months down the line, but even what will happen within an hour or two hours. Such is the situation. And so as we come to this passage, I want us to take note of what is being said, of the message that is being presented, of the challenge that is contained within its verses, but also to examine ourselves and see and understand what it's saying to us tonight. So often we can come to a familiar passage like this and we can dismiss it. I've read it. I've heard it preached on many times. But you know, every time we come to God's word, if we have a desire to hear from God, he speaks. Not that I speak, but hear what God's saying tonight and what he would lay upon your heart. For many today, their relationship with Jesus could only be described using the words that Luke used to describe Peter at a time and a situation in which he found himself when he said, and Peter followed afar off. Many are following afar off tonight. And I believe God wants to come and wants to challenge and wants to draw and wants to restore, restore the years that the locusts have destroyed. Do we believe that this evening? God is in the business of restoration. Praise his wonderful name. And while there are many lessons to be learned from this particular passage, the one that seems to have gripped my heart this evening is this reality that Jesus, the Son of God, should choose man to present the message of the gospel to his fellow man. For Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, when they said yes to Jesus, they could not in their wildest imagination have predicted what was going to happen to them, the changes that would take over their lives, the things they would do, the things they would witness, the things they would be part of. What does the leaders of their day say? These men have turned the world upside down. We praise God the gospel is still turning men and women's lives upside down today. It's reaching the individuals. It's reaching into communities. It's reaching into lands. Such is the power and authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are guilty, are we not, in minimizing the strength, the power, the authority of the word of God in presenting the gospel but it is full of power. We look at men's lives today. Many had written them off. They said they were beyond help. They were beyond redemption. But you know, the gospel came. It touched them. It transformed them. It changed them. And we have experienced that ourselves this evening. For that, we are grateful to realize that for Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were part of the initial group who started this great work. And this land is benefiting from it 
now, some 2,000 plus years later. And, you know, we look at our own lives. We look at the lives of others. And we say, truly, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And so to the passage tonight. My title is Gone Fishing. Somebody asked me, what do you speak? what's your title tonight? And there was a, a few suggestions made that I shouldn't do. So I'm not going to sing. <laughs> Gone Fishing. And I want to ask two questions tonight. Have you ever gone fishing? And I'm speaking of fishing in the context of the scripture verse which is that we have read. And are you still fishing? The call to follow Jesus as presented in Luke's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 10. I would suggest to you it was not the first time that Simon, Peter, Andrew, James and John came into contact with Jesus. Nor was it the first time that they heard his request to follow him and he would make them fishers of men. As we look through the Gospels, we're given an insight into those happenings on those occasions. Matthew takes us in chapter 4 to the scene where they are by the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. And he says that Peter and Andrew were casting their nets and James and John were mending their nets. Mark in chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, relates the similar situation, giving us the same information. But yet when we come to Luke chapter 5, we find they're not mending, they're not casting, but they're washing their nets. And as I consider these passages, I believe there's a difference. They're not talking about all the one occasion, the same happening. The difference between Matthew and Mark's account and that of Luke would lead me to believe that these are separate occasions. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, we're given an insight into the meeting of Andrew, Peter's brother, with Jesus himself. John the Baptist is by the Jordan. He's preaching. He's baptizing. And Jesus comes. And as he makes his way down to the Jordan, John lifts his eyes and he says to all around him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The following day, he's still attending to his business on the banks of the Jordan. And he lifts his eyes and he sees Jesus walking by. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples leave him and follow after Jesus. And as we read in chapter 1 of John, Jesus turns and he asks them, well, what do you want? And they say, Master, we want to find out where you abide, where you live, where you're staying. And Jesus invites them to come and see. And it tells us that they abode with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. And one of those was Andrew. And in verses 40 and 42 of the same chapter, we are made aware that Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon, that is Simon Peter, and brought him to Jesus. The gospel writers go on to inform us of the calling of Philip and Nathaniel and the calling of Matthew, the tax collector, but not the other disciples. And yet we are made aware that at the wedding feast in Canaan, Jesus was there present with his disciples. 
And so from the information that I've gleaned, I feel it's clear that Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, that the first call by Jesus to follow him, they had done so, yet they had not followed him in a complete and unconditional manner. As I thought of this, I thought of them in their situation when the day's work was completed. Maybe in the evenings, maybe especially at weekends, they would have moved around with Jesus. They would have been part of his, his group that moved around as they heard and witnessed and seen. But you know, when Monday morning came, it was back to business. It was back to the day job. There was fish to be caught. There was bills to be made. There was wages to be paid. The call to the discipleship to follow Jesus and the instruction given to them by Jesus in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, in which Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, was not just an instruction to the disciples some 2,000 plus years ago, and them only, but it is for all who know Jesus as Savior and Lord. In life we are presented with many opportunities, important situations, we take time out to think, to discuss upon them. And having done so, we then respond accordingly. But you know this evening, the greatest opportunity that any of us will ever have as Christians is the opportunity to follow Jesus. Yet today I find that the call to follow Jesus for many Christians is not their top priority, even if it is on their list of priorities at all. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, in which Jesus says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? And as preachers, we use such verses to present the gospel, and rightly so. But you know, over this last few months, God has been oppressing upon my heart. This applies to the Christian also. How many have lost their love for God and gone in pursuit of other things. Maybe tonight you may say, but I'm not one of them. I'm involved. I'm doing my bit. Well, to that I say, praise God. But have you this evening ever considered your commitment and your involvement that God may be saying, I want a bit more. I believe for Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Jesus desired a greater commitment from them. I don't believe he was dissatisfied with their response, with their involvement. But you know the reality, as we can see from Scripture, in hindsight we have the information. Jesus had a tremendous plan for their lives. And he was saying to them, listen guys, if you're going to fulfill that plan that I have for you, you're going to have to make a greater commitment. It's going to involve more commitment. And so, as we look at this passage, I would like to look at it under three headings. The call, the challenge of the call, 
the response to the call. The call, as we're made aware in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 5 of Luke, it came when they weren't looking for it. The scene that is presented to us, Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee. There's a throng of people pushing and shoving, trying to get close to him, trying to get the best position they can to be near Jesus. He's in danger of being pushed into the sea. We can think of the noise, the hustle, the bustle that a crowd would create, the voices, the sound that would travel out over the water. And yet, we find that there were those there who should have been interested in what was happening and who was on the shore, but they weren't. They were so busy with getting a particular job done. They had had a hard night at work. It had been a bad night. They had worked all night and had nothing to show for it. And all they wanted to do was get done what needed to be done and get home to bed. And for those of us who have worked night shift, we can fully appreciate their situation. At the end of the shift, all you want to do is get home to bed, especially if you've had a bad night. And for these guys, they had a really, really bad night. They had made no money. They had caught no fish. They had thought of the time and effort and expense that had gone into the night's fishing and nothing to show for it. And no doubt in the back of their mind they were thinking of the slagging they were going to get from others in the fishing community that these guys who are supposed to be experts and good at their job couldn't even catch one fish. But in verse 3, we see Jesus stepping into this situation. And in so doing, he causes Peter to focus on him. What does the Scriptures tell us? He entered into Simon's ship, and having asked him to thrust out a little from the land, he sat down. Now Jesus is Simon's attention. He can't continue with his fishing nets. Jesus sitting in the boat. Simon's there. He has to use the oar to keep the boat in place, to keep it from moving around, to keep it from drifting. He has to focus and concentrate on Jesus. And as Jesus turned the bar of his boat into a pulpit and taught the people, he was also teaching Simon Peter. Like Simon Peter, we can be caught up with so so many things, legitimate things, that need our attention. And in so doing, we can miss out on what Jesus wants to say to us. Jesus, in entering Simon's boat, took him away from the task that he was doing and caused him to focus on what Jesus wanted. In life, there seems to be an endless list of things to do. You know, when we're talking to each other, we say, that's another thing to add to the list. And the list always seems to get longer, never shorter. How often have we said, no, it'd be great if we had a couple more hours in the day to try and get done what needs to be done. But you know, there needs for the Christian to take time out to discover what Jesus requires of us. For some, they plan it. They arrange time out of work. They take days, weeks off. They spend time waiting before the Lord. 
for others, Jesus brings it about through circumstances, situations. Could be through redundancy, through ill health, through other situations. But Jesus brings it about. For his whole purpose and plan is that we understand what he is saying and what he requires of us. This was the situation for Simon Peter. Jesus had arranged it. He required Simon to focus on what was really important. And in so doing, he was preparing him for the decision he would have to make. Jesus has a plan for all our lives. No one is left out. There's no exceptions. If we know Jesus as Savior and Lord, he has a plan for us. Some it may be in the pulpit. Some it may be elsewhere. Some it may be in far-flung places of the world. But he has a plan for us all. And our responsibility is to seek and to discover what that is and be involved in it. The call. But what about the challenge of the call? Verse 11 tells us, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And as I read that, the question that arose, for me anyway, was what brought about this change, this change of response. For this wasn't the first time that Jesus had challenged them about following him. What had changed? And for me, the simple answer was that Jesus had wrought a miracle and in so doing, he had answered all their questions. One may ask, well, what questions were they asking? Well, do you know, these men were businessmen. These men run their own business. These were men that didn't act in haste. These were men who thought out the situation and then having thought out and discussed it, then they would decide what they were going to do. And no doubt, on previous occasions to this, they would have talked about what Jesus was saying to them. They would have wondered, well, how are we going to survive if we give up the day job? You know, I can just imagine the Apostle Peter and his wife sitting down and having a discussion. Peter telling his wife, you know, Jesus has asked me to follow him and he would make me fisher, a fisher of men. But what about the business? And maybe his wife would say, well, well, how are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to put the food on the table? And somewhere in the conversation, I presume her mother would have come into this discussion. Do you know? And she would have said, you know, well, my mom's not well. We need the doctor from time to time. How are we going to pay the bills? This is reality. And yet on that occasion, when Jesus wrought that tremendous miracle, all those questions were answered. For Jesus made it clear that he could do what they couldn't do. They had fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus said, don't shout into the deep. Let the net down. And there it was. And what a catch. You know, the Apostle Paul, writing in Ephesians 3 and 20, says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. For Simon Peter, for Andrew, for James and John, 
they would say amen to that statement because the evidence was before them. It was a catch like they had never seen before in their fishing careers. We've all heard the fishy stories, haven't we? It's not so much the fish that was caught, but the fish that got away. I've heard many of them. And it seems to be every time it's told, the fish that got away gets bigger. And I often think to myself, the only thing that limits the size of the fish that got away is how long the person's arms are. But you know, there must have been fishy stories among the fishing community in Galilee. They would have talked about great catches of great fish that had been caught. But you know, this one trumped them all. They had never seen such a catch. They had never experienced such. For what, what are we told in verse 9? And he, that is Peter, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. What a catch. Such a great catch. One boat couldn't handle it. They called for their partners to, to bring their boat. Two boats struggled. They filled the boats till the brim to such an extent they began to sink. Such was the greatness of this catch. Jesus made clear to them he could do for them what they couldn't do for themselves. And then what about the response to the call? They forsook all and followed him. You know, in our response to following Jesus, we need to know exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. For Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, the call was to full-time service, to leave the family business and work full-time for the spreading of the gospel. But reality this evening is not all are called to the full-time work. For many, they are required to continue in their work, that is the day job, and serve the Lord. And it is so important that we know the will of God for ourselves. In my experience as a pastor, I have met those who were certain God was calling them to leave their jobs and to go full-time in the, the work of the Lord. Some succeeded in that, and for that I give, praise God. Others realized it was the wrong move. They came back, they took up their employment, and they worked for the Lord. But sadly, there were also those who, when it didn't work out, because it didn't work out the way they wanted it and desired it, they walked away from the Lord. So we need to take time to discover what God's will is for us. It's not something you take a quick stab at or a quick thought, but you need to take time to discover what he's requiring us to do. For myself, I led a church as an unsalaried pastor for 28 years, working 40 plus hours for an employer and pastoring. That was my lot. And you know, I often wondered and prayed, Lord, oh, to be able to give up the day job. But it didn't happen. But I submitted to the Lord's will for me. That was God's will for me. We need to discover, you need to discover what God's will is for you. You know, in the work of catching men, we can, can complete all the training 
and acquire all the skills and yet not catch anything. Simon and his partners were skilled fishermen, and yet they caught nothing. But when he submitted his will to Jesus and fished where Jesus told him, he caught fish. That is the reality of following Jesus. You can be the best fisherman in the world. You can have the best rod, reel, line, and baits. But you know, if there's no fish in the pond where you're dropping your bait, you're wasting your time. You're not going to catch fish. And maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a great fisherman. Maybe the rod that you're using is a stick out of the hedge. Your line is a piece of string. Your hook is a safety pin. But if you're fishing in a pond where there's fish, there's always a possibility that you're going to catch fish. When Jesus said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, you know, he debated with him. He said, Master, we've toiled all night. Do you know, and I often think, you know, he could easily have dug the heels in. And he says, no way. I've had enough. I want to get home to bed. There's no point. There's no purpose in it. But you know, he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And just one thought came to me this afternoon. I was just reading my notes. No, Jesus said to him, push out into the deep and let down your nets, plural. But Peter let down his net. And I often wonder, like, what would have happened if he had let down the nets? He had a tremendous catch with the net. What would he not have caught if he had let down the nets? You know, did he lose out in some measure of what God wanted to show him and reveal to him? Tonight, you may be feeling like many, that you've toiled all night and caught nothing. And maybe you've got to that stage in life where you're thinking, well, what's the point? It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the effort. But you know, I feel very much that Jesus would say to such tonight, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I am reminded of something I read many years ago. And the writer said, sometimes for God to fulfill his plans for your life, he requires you to move your position. Jesus required Simon Peter, Andrew, James and John to move their position that they may fulfill the plan and purpose that God had for them. In life, we change our positions many times, don't we? Sometimes brought about through uh, redundancy, and suddenly we find ourselves, we've got to take up a different occupation, a different type of job. That's life. And we do it. But, you know, Jesus could be speaking tonight and saying, I want you to move your position. I want to change whatever needs to be changed in regards to your life, that you may be in a position to fulfill the plan and purpose that I have for your life. Jesus says to us all this evening, I believe, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more messages like this one, visit us online at www. 
www.mpc.org.uk. You'll also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pennycost.